had to watch my note cards because Erica almost took them away from me. I have them up here, but I'll try not to use them. Oh, I didn't shit my pants yet. There's still this time we're calling this the splash zone, so you've been warned. Um, and I can see people, so Erica lied to me. And I don't want to picture you in your underwear, so. Um, <laughs> my first note card said, my name is Irina, so I wouldn't forget. Um, but I am a female empowerment photographer, which sounds like the most snobby thing you could ever name yourself. Um, but it wasn't something I planned or saw coming. Um, I didn't dream about this, and I wanted to share the story of how I got here on this stage, where I'm going to pee my pants. Um, I was born in a little country in Eastern Europe called Romania, and most people don't know very much about it except, you know, maybe Dracula, who's not real, and Transylvania. And, um, but what's important tonight is that I tell you up until about 29 years ago, uh, we were under communist rule. I say that because I don't think that we were communist. I think we were under the fear and terror of communists, of people that had no consideration for our culture, for its people, and kept us in a state of fear, intimidation, and terror. And so imagine living like that for well over 40 years. It's hard to think of communism because it's such a strange thing to consider that any country would choose this. But my life was physically affected by it. I was three years old when the revolution happened. So I have lived through a communist um, takeover. My parents lived through communism. My parents tell stories of um, not, having, not finding food in stores and staying in line for two hours for two oranges. This is a reality that actually happened. So in 1989, the revolution happened because Romanians are go-getters, and we didn't wait for anybody to save us. We saved ourselves. And, um, <laughs> and the gates to Romania were wide open for the first time in 40 years. Like, we didn't even have Western music. Like, Queen and ABBA had been banned. Uh, and Queen, I mean, ugh, come on. And TV shows and Oprah, we didn't have any of that. And then in 1989, everything was possible. And then this, like, strange, chaotic time, I actually, I grew up. And I had an incredibly happy childhood. I can't look at my mom because she's, she's looking at me with these puppy eyes. <laughs> um, I had the great fortune of being raised by two of the most amazing human beings for parents. Um, my parents are super intelligent, highly educated engineers. So, um, as you can imagine, it came as a shock to them when I turned out to be an artist. Um, I had to come out to them. I had to sit them down and say, Mom, Dad, I love you, and I know you'll accept me the way I am, but there's something I need to tell you. And I, I'm, I'm an artist, and my, my dad, you know, was, my mom was drinking, and they're like, why couldn't you? Why? Why our daughter? But that's my story of struggle, coming out to genius engineers that I was an artist. <laughs> and, um, and we were brought up to be joyful. We were brought up to have empathy. And it was not an easy time in our lives. My parents could have been so bitter and angry about what was happening to our country, but instead, they raised two really happy human beings. They taught us empathy for other people. They taught us to put, e 
ourselves in other people's shoes. We didn't have to, but it was the human thing to do. In this world of darkness, they put light into us. Um, but I, I always like to think that the thing that my parents gave us the most was lightheartedness. They taught us to not take ourselves too seriously. <laughs> Erica's laughing. My family will kill me for sharing this story, but I have to tell you. Um, <laughs> I have gap teeth. I don't know if you can tell, probably maybe the very last rows can't see, but I have really small gapped teeth. It's a genetic trait that kind of bounces around all over our family. And I have it, my dad has it, my grandma has it, um, my aunt has it. And so every time one of us would laugh really hard, somebody would say, like a rough translation, quit laughing like a rake. Because... <sighs> yeah. So that's kind of how our parents took to, you know, I was laughing like a rake. They still say that. So my dad would be like, I cannot believe you said that. We will have to move now. They will kick us out of America. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> But that's just kind of the stance my parents took about insecurities. I was always insecure. I always hated how I looked different. I have big, frizzy, curly hair and gapped teeth. I could not stand out more. And my parents taught us not to take ourselves seriously. Okay, once I get through this, it'll be fine. If you think that I got really lucky with my parents, let me tell you about my mother, who is whew, who's my bestest friend in the whole wide world. <laughs> who, um, <laughs> I love you too. This is the only part I might cry at, that's it. Um, I got really, really lucky with my mom. Not a lot of people have an okay relationship with their mom, even less an amazing one. My mom saw worth in me before there was even a thought in my head that I might have worth. She loved me unconditionally, which is so hard to do because I was a lot. Um, <sighs> And, you know, it wasn't always easy, but I realized now at 31 and a mother myself, what a rare gift that is to be loved just the way you are. I mean, what a concept to not have another person put their preconceived notions or to try to live vicariously through you. Like, what a gift. I got to just be and grow as myself. It was a good thing that I had my mother because... Living in Romania and being a stubborn, strange, opinionated, loud, frizzy-haired Romanian girl was not easy. Um, you see, I come from a culture where women wouldn't be caught dead leaving the house without a full face of makeup, hair done up, wearing high heels, their nicest clothes, and that was like to buy potatoes and like onions at the outdoor market. Um, there was always this notion there was like a right way and a wrong way to be a woman, you know? And um, Romanians also have, like, no problem telling you exactly what they think. If you can't tell, Romanians are pretty, like, Latin-blooded and, you know, use hand gestures. We're basically Italian. Like, less hairy Italians, you know? <laughs> but they would say things that would seem nice. Like, even people in, like, would come up to me and say, Irina, you have such a beautiful face. Oh, thank you. If only you lost a little bit of weight, you'd be perfect. Thank you, strange lady at the supermarket, whose opinion I never asked for. Now move aside so I can purchase what I need. Uh, or a family member came up to me once for Easter and said, you're very beautiful. Like, you know, you know you're beautiful. I'm like, yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> it's just that 
your face doesn't match the rest of your body. Like, it just doesn't go. Like, people are so caught up in your beautiful face. And then they look at the rest of your body, and it just doesn't go. And I felt that way. I literally felt like I didn't go. Like, I was flawed somehow. Um, but like I said, there was this notion there was a right way and a wrong way to be a good Romanian woman. Like, you could be thin, but not too thin. And you could be smart, but don't be too smart and don't show off because nobody likes the smarty pants. And you could be sexy, but don't be slutty. And you could be quiet, but don't be too quiet like you're stupid and you have nothing to say. You know, there's just this notion that you could never win. And if, God forbid, you happen to be overweight or fat, you're at least expected to kind of hate yourself, you know, like a right amount of hate, and to be constantly on weird diets like the cabbage soup comes to mind. It was weird. It was a bad, bad week. Um, and like weird workouts. I remember I must have been around 10 or 11. I went to my first aerobics class with my mom. I begged her because I was so desperate to fit in. And all I remember from that experience is just like a sea of middle-aged asses covered in like neon colored spandex it's, and like headbands. Yeah, my mom included. Yeah. Bad perms, you know, like headbands, wristbands, and all that. So that's all I remember. That was the last time I did aerobics. <sighs> I remember I must have been around 12 or 13 when I looked around my middle school class, because we were in a group of 30, and I realized I must have been around the second fattest girl in our class, not overweight by any stretch. None of us were overweight. We just stopped being communists like five minutes ago. Like we just rediscovered food. <laughs> Nobody was fat. <laughs> but still, it became very apparent that I was the second fattest. That I was just a few pounds away from being at the bottom and that I would get teased and I would get bullied and I would get just, just the things that I was getting already, but 10 times that. And it was just unbearable. I must have tried every diet in the world. I can't think of a single Romanian woman that isn't on a diet currently, except maybe you and me, Mom. Like, right? Like, that's it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so you can imagine my mixed emotions. When I found out that we were moving to the United States, my parents had applied for um, the visa lottery and won. So I'm one of the immigrants Erica mentioned. I'm not afraid because I'm an American now. <laughs> I'm safe. Whew. Um, but I had mixed emotions because, of course, it's hard to leave behind everything that's familiar, the support system that you have of aunts and uncles and grandmas and that neighbor that used to live, you know, that you just know everyone. And to leave all of that behind, and at the same time, there was also excitement because I could redefine myself. I could start fresh and start a new life. And I swear to you, we did not do this on purpose. We moved to the United States on this day 17 years ago. Um, right before 9-11, so that was a little less fortunate. But we moved here, and it was just mind-blowing to be in America after leaving a post-communist country in Eastern Europe. You guys had the coolest things. First of all, you guys had Oprah. You guys had cable TV, like I learned all of my sarcasm from Will and Grace. You know, um, cheese in a can, Twinkies, Hot Pockets, 
marshmallows, and let's not forget, you deep fry everything. It was like such a good time to be alive. I was 14 when we moved here, and I was like, all of it is mine. I'm going to taste America. And I, I maybe packed it on for the first time truly in my life. And a few years later, I was graduating from University of Washington. And go Huskies. Yeah, that's right. Two people. Everybody else, everybody else is from WSU and hates me, so... <laughs> Uh, so, um, and I came, um, and I met a boy who's in the crowd. I'm going to embarrass him, that, that one right there. Um, and despite my best efforts not to be the most cliche immigrant in the world, he was also Romanian. So much for being a rebel. And <laughs> he was my first boyfriend, and we immediately got engaged. So I was like, so much for being a rebel. My parents were like, we love him. So I was like, great. That worked out. <laughs> so much for this wild, crazy life I was going to leave here. And um, so, of course, like a good Romanian girl, I went on my first, on, I went on a diet because when you get engaged, you order a dress two sizes too small, and then you starve yourself until your wedding day because you can only be happy if you're thin, right? <laughs> like if you can fit into this weird dress that you'll never wear again. It was god-awful uncomfortable. I never lost the weight anyways. Um, but I did starve myself for the longest time right when I got engaged and I'd lost some weight and I was working out and you know I was doing the like engagement workout you know it was things were desperate and uh, I had lost a lot of weight and I was feeling good and I was looking good um and I remember an old man an old gentleman came up to me at church and he said um you look so good I was like mm, I've heard these before <laughs> When's the other shoe going to drop, you know? He's like, no, you're, you're, you look really good. You know, when you guys first got engaged, I didn't see what he saw in you, but I guess you guys kind of go together now. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> I knew it was an offensive, like I knew, but I was brought up to be a good, respectful Romanian girl, and good, respectful girls don't pick fights and don't put people in their place and don't tell people what's what. It's not our job to do that. So I gave him my best gap tooth smile, and I said, thank you, and then I left, and I bitched about it to my family, like a good Romanian girl, you know? <laughs> and, and then a few more years later, um, we really wanted to get pregnant, and so again, I planned on losing the weight that I estimated I was going to gain during my pregnancy. <laughs> And I figured if I lost the pregnancy weight beforehand, then whatever I gained would compensate. And I, like, this is why, this is why us women are crazy. Because we have to think about this shit all the time. We're always hangry and we're always counting where we're supposed to be, you know? Because you're only as happy as the scale tells you you can be happy. And despite my efforts to quit the cheese in a can life, um, I got pregnant before any of the weight was dropped. And I was like, well, great. Now I'm really going to balloon. I'm just going to be like this blimp, like the Donald Trump blimp just floating over. <laughs> Which is a beautiful thing, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and um, to my great surprise, being pregnant was the most beautiful I'd ever felt. Honest to God, I would look in the mirror and I would go, you glorious 
angel of a woman. You're perfect. <laughs> I would like, I barely had a baby, uh, a bump, and I just, just like try to stick it out. And I was like, every morning I'm like, yep, another good hair day. And I, I just felt so feminine and beautiful and full of life. I mean, I was literally full of life, but, but I felt like I was just oozing sunlight, which was unexpected because that's not what people talk about when they talk about pregnancies. I just spit. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Word vomit. And, um, and I remember smugly thinking to myself, like, I'm cured. I don't have self-esteem issues. I am... I am this goddess on earth, like I hadn't known Beyonce, I didn't know Beyonce was going to come on, um, I thought it was just me, and, um, and I just smugly thought to myself, like, yeah, I cured myself, I don't have, I love myself, like nothing's ever going to change that, and so I'm going to share with you guys my favorite thing that my mother says to me all the time, if you want to make God laugh, make plans. Because I'd made these plans of how I was going to give birth to this fat, chunky baby, and I was going to hold her in my arms and know how to breastfeed right away, and it was going to be this magical, like, because I'm a goddess now, like, (laughs) nature should just get the memo. So what was supposed to be my June 5th baby ended up up being my April 21st baby. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I felt, too. Um, My water broke. For no good reason, it just broke. I woke up one morning and I was like, did I pee myself or? (laughs) Yeah, I drank cold water. Um, The old women in our our church were like, oh, did you drink cold water? That is why you gave birth early. You should not have done that. That's also how you get ear infections, so you should have known. If you think about it, you're selfish. Um, So... They're laughing, but, like, it's, it, it happened. <laughs> but when, when that happened, when my daughter came early, all of my dreams just came tumbling. Nothing about how I'd imagined giving birth happened. First of all, I gave birth in, like, five minutes flat. Like, she came out right away. And I didn't give birth to a baby. I gave birth to an alien monkey that was, like, purple and covered in hair and was the tiniest thing I'd ever seen. I was like, she's... That's, what, what is that? It was just, I felt like somebody had robbed me of this one experience that everyone gets to have. And I was so angry. I remember sitting in this dark room in my, um, in the hospital. And um, I was sitting next to Danny's bed, my daughter's bed. She was in a special bed in the NICU. She was there for two weeks. And she was hooked up to IV lines and to tubes and monitors that went off every few minutes whenever her oxygen level went down. And she barely looked human. And she was stuck in this plastic thing far away from me. And I'm sitting there like it's unreal. I'm dry pumping in the middle of the room. And I'm staring at my daughter because you're supposed to stare at them so your milk will come. Because nobody gave my boobs the memo like, baby's out. You need to start. Hi. You're going to make me cry. Um, and she was getting donor milk because I, my milk just hadn't come in yet. And I went from being this confident, badass of a woman to looking at myself in that moment and thinking, you worthless piece of shit. You did this. If you had just lost the goddamn weight 
if you had just done what people told you, if you had just been thinner, if you had just tried harder to be different than who, how you are, none of this would be happening. You did this. Who else? I was sitting in this dark room and we're teaching girls every day to be as perfect as possible. So when there's a bump in the road, who are you going to get mad at? Yourself. I took that shame and I carried it inside of me like a badge of honor, it felt like. And I couldn't even tell my best friend. I didn't tell her until years later because when you're in a place that dark, you don't think that you deserve to forgive yourself. And you know that if you tell a single person, you'll feel better. But I didn't think that I deserved to be forgiven, not even by myself. So I carried that stupid goddamn shame for so long until many months went by. We got her home, and her dad can vouch for me. Like, we fed that baby like it was our business. Like, we fattened her up like we were, like, she was our Christmas pig, you know? Um... Like, we overfed that baby. Like, she was chunky. She's been in the 95th percentile since, like, three months on. Like, we're like, yes. We don't care about grades. We're like, how much does she weigh? (laughs) We're keeping her nice and fat, you guys. Um, But around a couple of months went by, and we noticed that she had inherited my uh, beautiful trait, our genetic um, lottery prize if you will, of gapped teeth. But it was funny, on her, it looked beautiful. It was endearing and sweet and perfect, and it was so Danny. It was like the most perfect, like, I was like, everyone should have gapped teeth. And besides that, my daughter looks exactly like her dad. Pin straight hair, darker skin, brown eyes, looks nothing like me, except for her gapped teeth. It's the one thing that we share, and she had them. And so I had a thought. I was lying down next to her one afternoon with her cheek on my hand because that's how she sleeps to this day, and she's a giant child now. And I was looking at her. You know, every new mom knows this. You look at your babies when they're asleep because that's when they shut up, and you're like, they're angels, but not loudly, so they don't wake up, you know? And I was looking at her. I was like, oh, my God, she's perfect. She's an angel. We made a perfect baby. And I thought... I had a chilling thought. I was like, what if one day she hates her teeth? Or what if one day she speaks to herself the way I do, the way all of us do? We look in the mirror and we break ourselves down over stupid shit that doesn't even matter. Flabby arms and stretch marks, shit we all have. And we put ourselves down like, what if this perfect child of mine... Oh, sorry. Um, I'm just killing it, aren't I? Um... I said, what if one day she speaks to herself like that? Like, it it would kill me. She's perfect. She's just perfect the way she is. Not perfect like no other woman compares, but just the way she is, she's good enough. And I remember in that moment, I had two choices. I could do what a lot of us do, which is I could shrug my shoulders and say, it's hard to be a girl. It's really hard to be a girl in this world. It's hard to be a woman. And that's just the way it is. I'm just one person. I'm not going to change the world. I can just, like, try to protect her as much as possible and then set her off. And the other option was that I could do something about it. And I couldn't tell which one scared me the most. And then I had a realization. I think that my entire life, I'd had it all wrong. You see, I thought my mom was grooming me to be a good, respectful Romanian girl. But I'd had it so wrong. My mother never asked me 
to be a good, respectful Romanian girl. My mom raised me to be a strong, badass tornado of a woman. <laughs> and I'll be damned if I sit on my ass and do nothing. And so I got really angry. First, I thought, I'm still very hormonal. And then second of all, I was like, what am I going to do? So I decided I was going to take photography, the one thing that I loved more than anything, and I was going to spin it on its head. I was going to take this one thing that women dread doing, and I was going to turn it into an empowering thing to show women how important and valuable they are, that they matter. I was going to treat every single client like they're Danny, like they're my Danny, because it would be such a crazy, amazing world if we all treated each other the way we love the person that we love the most, right? So I'm going <laughs> to... Stop crying. <laughs> so I'm going to end with one little story, and I'll, I'll go. I've been talking for a million years. Um, once I was in high school... It was uh, the end of high school, um, and it was the summertime, and a boy had just broken my heart. Not the Eastern European boy. He was fine. Um, an American boy. And, uh, and, you know, like a good teenager does, I locked myself in my room, and I made a mixtape of, like, the saddest songs <laughs> that definitely would make me cry. And I closed the blinds, because you can't be sad in a sun-filled room. Like, you got to be crying in the darkness. And I just shut my door, and I was like, <laughs> just sobbing for days and days and I think like my mom got off work and I think she'd had enough so she like kicked the door open or at least that's how I'm choosing to she's like I would never kick the door open <laughs> I am a lady I would not do that <laughs> she's like if you say that that is not true um <laughs> but I she kicked the door open and she's like that's it get in the car now I was like she'll either I just spit again I'm sorry I was like she'll either kill me and bury my body in the forest because she's had enough or she's going to drop me off somewhere I didn't care because I was like it's the end of the world I'll never find anybody else I'm dead uh, if a boy doesn't love me at 17 I'm gone like that's it right and she um, it was weird because three strange things happened first of all she didn't say a word the entire time we were in the car and my mom is not a quiet woman if you can't tell there she is. There she is, folks. The second thing was, my mom is a neat freak, and she never lets me open the window and let, like, natural air. We only get filtered air. But she let me roll down my window, and she let me put my feet on the dashboard. The third thing that was odd was that it became really apparent that we weren't driving anywhere. She's just driving around Vancouver and Camas. I was like, can she not find a place to bury a body? I was like, yeah, I guess I'm pretty big. So I was, like, thinking about that, and I was still crying and sniffling, and she'd, like, give, hand me a tissue and, like, probably roll her eyes in the back of her head. And after a while, just kind of sitting there, feeling the breeze be between my fingers, I just started feeling better. And when I thought back to this story, I realized, like, that's what we all need, space to just be. Space to be exactly how we want to be. That's what the amazing thing that my mom did. She didn't give me this pill or like a vaccine un un against low self-esteem. She just gave me the freedom to grow into my own person and be whatever kind of person I wanted to be, right? And that's something that's within all of our powers, right? We all have the capacity cr to create space 
and let a person be exactly who they want to be on their terms. I grew up the way that I did, confidence galore, you know, because I was loved unconditionally. There was no condition on her love for me. I had room to be as dramatic as I wanted to be, as lame as I wanted to be, and then as amazing I wanted to be. And my mom cheered me through every step of the way, no matter how <laughs> frustrating it might have been, especially because moms know the answer. They know what, how to fix our problems. It takes a certain kind of woman to let you find that answer for yourself. That's what I try to do for my clients. That's what I try to do with every person I photograph. Every woman that's in my life knows that. And that's exactly what I try to do with my daughter, who's sitting right there, to just give her space to be exactly how she wants to be, even in times when she looks me in the eye with her brown eyes, points her finger at me and says, worst mom ever. <laughs> Thank you.